Welcome to Tastemakers. For our first interview, we have Steve Eric today. Um, he's a pretty big culture maker downtown, lived in Fort Wayne his whole life. Church planner, coffee, and all out comic book nerd. So let's get rolling. Dude, so how long have you been in Fort Wayne? Like, I mean, you've been here your whole life, right? 33 years, uh, Park v. Randalia. Um, That's where you're born? <laughs> That's where I was born. That's impressive. I have no idea the name of the hospital I was born at. Did you guys move around the city or is it the same house? No, my parents, uh, from their background, they they decided one house, same jobs. Really? The entire... So they did like the classic, yeah. I guess their generation kind of, you work a job 40 years, you retire, you stay in the same house. Pretty much, yeah. Midwest, they, they didn't have that for themselves growing up, so they, they made sacrifices to make sure that they had that for their children. Okay. Now, and you're one of? One of three. Brothers, sisters? I have an older brother who's like nine years older. Okay. And then my younger brother is actually like 13 months younger than I am. Were you closer with one in particular? Uh, yeah, a little bit closer with my younger brother. I had to go to reading readiness because my reading okay. comprehension wasn't great. Yeah. I had a learning disability that was not uh, diagnosed really? in kindergarten, so I had to repeat it. And then that put uh, my younger brother and I in the same grade. Oh, so you guys were like... We tagged along. I had the same friends up through senior year of high school yeah. and even into college a little bit. And yeah. Dude, that's, that's rad. So like finding out with... You mentioned learning disability, yeah. right? Like did that pose challenges going forward? Because I'm assuming at an early age you wanted to... You knew what you were going to wind up doing or like kind of the route that you wanted to go? Yeah, actually, uh, it took several different paths. When I, when I was growing up, I was a huge comic book nerd. Well, I'm still a comic book nerd. I know, I think you were reading comic books this, like, when we were getting ready for this. Yeah, I was so. like, I should be helping, but this is my downtime. <laughs> um, yeah. And I wanted to be a superhero. Really? Like, I wanted to study science and like, hey, like, Reed Richards is a scientist. I want to be Reed Richards. Maybe not as stretchy. Then I realized that I'm terrible at math. Okay. So like, hey, I'm pretty good at art. I will just become a comic book artist. And, and so did you start pursuing that? Yeah, and up until about uh, high school. And then I had, not to throw anyone under the bus, I had a terrible art teacher. I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm clearly no good. So mm -hmm. maybe I'll find something else to do. But, and but now you're doing graphic design, right? Yeah, uh, and a lot of that's out of necessity. Yeah. Uh, one, because uh, the church can't afford to pay anyone. That's and, fair. And that's one of those things that, like, you don't expect free art from someone. Right. Right? Is, that's right. offensive and rude. Yeah. And secondly, it's a good way to just for me to release and have a hobby. Okay. That kind of like a de-stressor, exactly. if you will. You've mentioned a couple of times, like, you had to repeat kindergarten, right? Yeah. And then later found out learning disability, wanted to do uh, science, engineering, math comic book art was then the next career, right? Yeah. So do you think that kind of put a distaste in your mouth as an adult now for how education is done? I mean, you have kids now that you're watching. Yeah, and my wife is a public school teacher. Okay. Um, both my sisters are teachers. So you've All been of our friends. fairly ingrained with like on both sides of the spectrum when it comes yeah. to like being the product of the school system, mm -hmm. but also being a husband to yeah. a teacher. And uh, slightly biased, I would say that it's teamwork between the teacher and the parent. The, the teacher assigns the work, instructs the student on how to 
do the work and then I think in tandem, and I'm seeing this as, as a foster parent myself, that mm -hmm. it's then my duty at home to make sure the work is getting done. That's a lot of, it's a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, Do you find it rewarding though on some level? Yeah, I, I, and I don't think for, for our situation that we're gonna see that fruit right away. Yeah. But later in life, like we're just trying to communicate love and Mm -hmm. respect and instill a good work ethic into these children uh, and that's what my wife tries to do with her students okay. um, that'll pay off decades from now yeah that's fair so then not to go too off topic or too kind of back but like timeline wise where along did you actually meet your wife she's from Missouri correct she is she was born in Springfield Missouri okay. and to her own uh, to her own credit uh, she likes to say that the only two things that come out of Springfield, Missouri are Brad Pitt and <laughs> and every decent episode of Cops. Fair. Yeah. Fair. So she moved here when she was five. Her dad okay. works at Raytheon. And, okay. Yeah. And then you guys met in college? Yeah, she was in college uh, at IPFW and she was working at this other coffee shop. And I was actually dating a girl that she was working with. Nice. And so one Friday night I went in to like, visit this girl I was dating. Like, yeah. hey. Uh, and then she's like, oh, have you met Melissa? Like, and then it was just like, no, I haven't. angel noises. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, hey, hi. So then you guys dated and obviously got married um, yeah. all while in college? Or did you like, I actually, get married after college? I actually or what was uh, it? Took, a, took a break from college. Yeah, I uh, got into coffee because I would hang out with my, my youth pastor at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And like, well, if you're gonna be here all day, you might as well get paid for it. Right. And learn how to make coffee. So is that, because you're doing a church plant on the side, or I guess, I don't know which one's really full time because you're fairly heavily involved in both, right? Yeah. Any reason why you want to maintain both? Is it just so you can engage culture or get exactly. a good pulse? Yeah. So like how? Like how's that? I think that for for relevant. Um, what is relevant? Relevant's the the church that okay. we're, we've been planting and working with and okay. um, pouring a lot of time and energy into, right. and it's been fulfilling. But it is it's it's also like I'd say like a minimalist church. Okay. It is very literally four walls and chairs. Yeah, I've seen some of your Instagram posts. Yeah, and I, and I love that. And it started as a as an outlet for me uh, to kind of um, fall back in love mm -hmm. with the gospel and with yep. ministry because I had like a terrible youth ministry experience, um, which yeah, was probably at the coffee shop. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, okay, let's back up because I think we're talking about like two different things. Sure. Um, started working at the coffee shop, started yep. going to college to pursue ministry. Uh, loved my experience at Taylor, but Taylor, was- Taylor Fort Wayne, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, it was a lot of money yep. for something that I didn't feel was going to be a lot of return on investment okay. in, a, in a financial sense. Yeah. So then I got connected at a church plant and they needed a youth pastor. My youth pastor who discipled me and married my wife and I, mm -hmm. um, he was one of the guys there and it felt like a, a natural, organic way to like pursue ministry. Right. Um, was not the best experience. <laughs> okay. Uh, a, lot, a lot of migraines, a lot of stress. Meanwhile, doing all of this, uh, trying to engage children and disciple them and love mm -hmm. them, uh, while also being a full-time barista and a full-time uh, uh, husband. husband. Yeah. Spouse. Whatever. One of those. <laughs> yeah. And then a friend of mine passed away. Oh. And uh, he was an older guy. 
he poured a lot of wisdom into me mm -hmm. right after my wife and I got married. And as he was passing away uh, that week, he was in a coma after a fight with cancer. Oh, and wow. uh, some friends of ours were just kind of in his living room uh, helping to minister to his wife mm -hmm. and his children and literally like wipe the stuff that he was coughing up away. Yeah. Um, and that felt very real, yeah. very raw, and also very fulfilling. Okay. More so than any of the Sunday mornings that I had been a part of. And it just felt imparted to me, and they're like, you know what, Steve, you're not getting any younger? At 27. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you're gonna be ambitious, at least be ambitious for the gospel. Okay. So make these sacrifices and still, like, you're going to have to be a barista. Yeah. Don't write letters trying to get people to give you money to find all these resources to right. do something. Um, so we started a Bible study in my living room. Mm -hmm. Still a barista. You and your wife started the Bible study? Yes. Yeah. And while well, she was teaching and finishing up her degree and people started showing up. And yeah. it wasn't overnight, mm -hmm. but it went from four to now we're at 30. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to take away resources from right. something to add more overhead when yeah. people already feel like their church experiences in the past have been more about funding Sunday morning yeah. than putting growth and inspiration and gospel into their lives. Yeah. Uh, so um, started working here at Forteza and Sean and Melody have been fantastic and incredibly supportive. At one point, the church was actually meeting here because we oh. outgrew my, my living room. And yeah, it's it's healthy for me to be here and work by yeah. pouring lattes and sharing life with people mm -hmm. and hearing all of their problems mm -hmm. and taking that in. And I don't tell anyone that I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm ashamed, but because they don't need to know that about me because right now I'm just someone listening to them. Right. So is that... I mean, this sounds like it's been a long process yeah. going from college to getting married to someone you're really close with dying. And like, that's a lot of emotional yeah. ups, downs, ebbs, <laughs> flows yeah. in a short a bit, time. A little bit. But then kind of going straight into this, I guess you'd call season or time of life where you guys are doing this thing in the living room and then it's ultra slow growth. Does that yeah. ever wear on you that it's not like right now? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that could write letters and ask for money, and they'd probably get money. Yeah. But, I mean, I think a lot of people still respect the fact that you don't want to take, you just want to be able to give. Yeah. So, how does that wear on you, like, or does it wear on you, or is it... Yeah, the, the first couple of years, it was really kind of draining mm -hmm. and really kind of challenging to, to my own faith. Like, mm -hmm. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing all this time. I left a job. Uh, that wasn't paying much, but it was at least adding into like the financial aspect of all of this. Right. Um, like, Lord, what, what, what am I doing? And I think that a lot of how we gauge success in ministry, culturally, we kind of take that from uh, just living in the West. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, uh, you know, if we're going to gauge this ministry as being successful, we have to look at the, the attendance on Sunday mornings, the giving, mm -hmm. and like chart the growth as to where they're going to be in the next couple of years and mm -hmm. plan accordingly. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there and, mm -hmm. and it, that works for everyone, but not for what I feel God's called me to do. So would you, would you say it's accurate to say that you feel like it's more so 
you're supposed to be one to engage the culture or do you think that the church in general, whether it's in Fort Wayne or at large, has kind of dropped the ball and turning it into a business rather than a place for yeah. uh, people to kind of be relational and like yeah. have that personable connection? I, I think that Fort Wayne is a great testing ground mm -hmm. because we're almost overchurched and a lot of churches will show growth with their attendance or maybe with their giving, uh, but really they're just moving other people around. This is kind of a more, yes, church question, but also just a, a kind of a pulse on Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. I feel like you get the, between being the pastor and being the barista, it, I mean, let's be real, one of the central coffee shops in Fort Wayne, like, what would you say the pulse overall is on the culture of Fort Wayne? Because you see people leave one place, go to another, yeah. you, but you also see them here. So, like, would you say that that's kind of people not wanting authenticity or reality, or is it more of a longing for people wanting authenticity? I think it's more of a, lo a longing Okay. Um, for, for that sort of sincerity. Okay. When we start kind of throwing around flippantly what uh, church culture is like, mm -hmm. um, when, when different churches have different uh, stereotypes of their, their congregation mm -hmm. um, or kind of reputations for what that church is like, okay. I think that's where we need to take a good look at what we believe, how we are communicating that, and the culture we're trying to shape. What would you say has been the biggest shift in culture over your course of living in Fort Wayne? Because, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff happening, you know? Yeah. Not to beat an old horse, but the influx of people downtown okay. um, is phenomenal. My dad worked for the city growing up. My mom worked for the county, mm -hmm. both over at the city-county building, and coming down on a Saturday or a Sunday to, to help them in the office, or at least to be observed while they were trying to work, and yeah. I was just reading comic books the entire time. <laughs> like, this was a ghost town. Really? Like, like a few tumbleweeds short of being uh, just a, a dead city. Because okay. no one would be down here, because there was nothing to do. Like no food, no, no activity? None. Okay. Like, Cindy's Diner on Saturday mornings. Yeah. That's about it. And even that, I think, is more recent than anyone thinks. Mm -hmm. But this is just phenomenal. I think that, and for me as a pastor, uh, that ministry role, like seeing Taylor leave and like that presence of God's people kind of leaving that, that neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of created a, uh, a void. And it, um, I love seeing other people come back into Fort Wayne, specifically downtown Fort Wayne, to just love their neighbor and to uh, exemplify what it means to follow Jesus outside of Sunday mornings mm -hmm. or uh, their tax bracket or their comfort zone. So do you think that with all the progressions of downtown and new businesses coming in, Tim Ash doing his building, the Golden, Parkview Field, yeah. do you think that people are starting to come together rather than go to work, yeah. pull in your garage, turn on TV, go to sleep? Yeah. So there's a lot more communities involved, getting involved with each other. Yeah. So how long have you been a part of this foster system? Uh, a year. A year. What um, made you want to do that? So uh, Relevant's not the church I intended to plant, but God keeps bringing people into our lives. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, they're foster parents. Really? So we're like a group of 30, but we've got like four different foster families. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and last November, we were having a potluck and um, one of the foster parents mentioned that their foster children were being placed up for adoption. Wow. And they were gonna pass. And it's like, I don't, 
Like it just wasn't a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. and I get that now. Uh, but uh, my wife and I, we just kind of fell in love with these two little girls. I'm like, well, you know what? We, we can't have children naturally. Mm -hmm. And a private adoption. Is that hard for you? Uh, at first. Okay. Uh, that's just something that I've had to come to accept over the last couple of years. Okay. But I feel good about it. Yeah? Yeah, because this is not a face that needs to be passed down another generation. <laughs> um, oh, thanks for the bald spot, Dad. <laughs> But no, these, these two little girls were going to be up for adoption, and it's like, well, like we can't afford private, we can't have kids naturally. Why don't we? Why don't we give this a shot? And so we kind of rushed into getting our training done uh, and getting our house ready, and ultimately, those weren't the the kids for us. But I think it prepared the soil, so to speak, yeah. for our hearts, and kind of tended to a few things that um, needed to be challenged in in our marriage. Yeah. Yeah, and then we got our first placement, our current placement, um, back in July. Mm -hmm. And you've had them all through July, from, since July yeah. through now. And has that been like challenging at all? I mean, because I would imagine going from no kids at all, and then now you have, what, what is it, a two-year-old and a nine-year-old? Two-year-old and seven-year-old. Seven-year-old. Yeah, it is awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's challenging. But I would imagine with every, like, with every challenge that you have your highs and then you have your Absolutely. Lows. I thank God every night that I have the, the privilege and honor to keep them safe and yeah. to love them. And even if we have them for a short period of time, mm -hmm. to um, share the gospel with them. Yeah. What would be one of the hardest things that you've had to learn through the process, whether it's during the training yeah. or having the two kids? Or, I mean, you're pretty used to getting up early, so that's not yeah. a. <laughs> my, my wife's not, so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> a little trade off there. Twofold. One, um, these children are coming damaged yeah. uh, just from what they've experienced in their lives mm -hmm. so far, like just briefly, mm -hmm. and trying to be sensitive of that and patient with, with their needs mm -hmm. on a psychological level. But secondly, and this is, I think, where we're at in our, our walk over the last six months, that nothing's guaranteed. Mm. So, like, like the birth parents will still have that kind of respect and, and have that admiration because they're their mom and dad, or as, as the seven-year-old says, real mom and dad. Mm -hmm. um, That's gonna be hit. Right, yeah. But like as I'm rocking the two-year-old to sleep, mm -hmm. um, knowing that, you know what? He could leave tomorrow. Yeah. And he calls me daddy. Uh -huh. um, but at some point he may have to leave our home and I'll never see him again. Mm -hmm. So that probably makes you value the time yeah. that much more. But I, I just, I know that, that that day might be coming. Yeah. And then, like, I'm just, just going to ugly cry for, like, a week. Oh, you're a crier. I'm, like, oh, I was choking up during at the end of Aladdin this Are afternoon. You yeah. Nice. Like, Jeannie, you're free. <laughs> Kids, don't <clears throat> look over there. Is your wife a crier too? No, she's not. No? So it's no. kind of like, almost in a sense, she's like Miss Tough Girl. Right, yeah. Rosie the River. Yeah, her dad was a Marine. And, Are you serious? And, yeah, I was like doing burpees for, really? for hours on it. Yeah. I guess back to the kids real quick. Um, do you find that some of the fun things are like you get to share the things that you grew up with? For example, the comics or kind of diving into that? Yeah, uh, the comics uh, I'm not going to share with them because they're valuable. So that's yours? Yes. This is mine. Like, hey, you can see it in the frame and never take it out of the bag. <laughs> um, but here are some action figures. Why did you start reading comic books? Uh, it was kind of a bonding thing with my dad. 
Really? Like, yeah, he, he collected comic books. It was an escape for him for rare. his childhood. And like we would spend Saturday mornings going to books, comics, and things on, on Maplecrest. Really? And he'd kind of like, okay, here is your budget. And you just uh-huh. get what you want. Nice. Yeah. So then, so then I got to ask, like, DC Marvel? Uh, Marvel. Why? Oddly enough, I probably own more DC, but uh, I think Marvel right now, uh, they're telling better stories. Um, And since like the whole part of the medium is illustrated story, Mm -hmm. illustrated storytelling, they have great artists. And it's like, oh, art matters for this. It should probably be intelligible. So then with, now that we've never done, do you have a specific superhero that's like always been your guy? Like I've always loved the Hulk. Uh, I'm probably more of the Hulk than okay. I care to admit. That's uh, like the, the line from that first Avengers movie yeah. where uh, Bruce Banner's like, that's my secret cap, I'm always angry. Yes. Like my wife yes. in the theater just slapped my shoulder, that's you! <laughs> I was more of a Superman guy okay. growing up, uh, but like as I like wear all these different hats and like deal with, with stress, yeah. actually an obscure character, I'll be very surprised if you Oh no. Of him. Oh no. Uh, Black Bolt. Who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Black Bolt first appeared in Fantastic Four number 46. This is during the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby run. Okay. And he was the king of the Inhumans. Okay. Okay. Uh, the cheap version of the X Men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or the, the, the cheap mutants, so okay. to speak. Black Bolt is incredibly powerful and strong and can fly Uh uh, but he can't speak interesting because if he speaks he is so powerful that it will decimate cities so he has to choose his words wisely interesting yeah and so you connected with him that's why you like him yeah i think that i need uh personally as this interview will show uh, i need to choose my words wisely yeah (laughs) and know when to speak and know when to listen I feel like you're, you're, you'd be the kind of guy, and I mean, you're pretty quiet behind the, behind the bar here. Like, I feel like you would have some weird quirks or weird talents or abilities. Yeah. Is, is this the case? Yeah, a little bit. Sometimes I have to tell myself to to leave the house. One, I'm kind of, kind of an introvert. Okay. There was a period of time in my life where I could only leave or do something at the quarter hour. It was almost like an OCD thing. Like really? I, it's like, well, okay, I need to be somewhere, but it's two thirty-eight. And you wouldn't leave until two forty-five. What? Yeah. Why? I it just it was. Yeah. And my big toes are so large and kind of separated from the rest of my toes yeah. that I can often grab pencils and pens and plates and bowls off the ground. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So one last question for you before I kind of close out and uh, go get some Coney Island. Um, You've been here your whole life. You're super involved in the culture, whether it's on the church front, being a barista, foster care system. I feel like you're a fairly recognizable face for downtown. The trademark helps. Yes, 100%. Um, With all of that, why Fort Wayne? Did you you know that Fort Wayne has the third best genealogical department in the world? Yeah. I love... uh, of genealogy. Um, when I was young, my dad told me that there was a town in Oklahoma named after our family. Really? And um, I dug a little deeper into that guy. His name was Beaks Eric. 
That's a fun name. Yeah. His dad's name was Enos, which is even funner. Uh, uh, Beeks was um, an investment banker, okay. and he invested in the railroad. And uh, after making a ton of money going out west and having a town named after him, uh, he moved back to Fort Wayne. Interesting. And his son, Ted, uh, started a, a night school for men and women who couldn't pursue a formal education, mm -hmm. but they needed to, to learn. Mm -hmm. um, my maternal grandfather uh, was an engineer who worked for the city mm -hmm. and uh, helped save the city from the flood of 82. Wow. My mom worked for the county in the 80s and 90s, coordinating AIDS and HIV testing mm -hmm. um, when it was exploding mm -hmm. uh, across the world. My dad, his job as an electrician was to keep the lights on mm -hmm. for the city. For me, I see it as a challenge of legacy yeah. to try to do better yeah. or to at least leave an imprint. Uh -huh. um, I, I, can't, I, I can't bring industry to Fort Wayne. I can't. Uh, fight an epidemic or even wire streetlights <laughs> that's a safety issue yeah. uh, but I do want to try to with every cup with with every person that I interact with to mm -hmm. at least make an imprint because um, I think that everything communicates something mm -hmm. and I want to speak truth I want to speak grace I want to mm -hmm. not just be heard with what I have to share but know have other people know that they're being heard mm. and listened to. Mm. Yeah, there are all these great things happening downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean and Melody came from different countries and they saw things that were happening in Taiwan and Japan and they wanted to bring a little bit of that, of that here mm. with, with coffee of all things. Mm. And then I, th I just read the other day, um, McKenna over at uh, Yummy Bunny, mm -hmm. like from the West Coast, yeah. Grew up in Fort Wayne, went to the West Coast, came back. Like, let's bring something fun like like ice cream to downtown Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. And yet it's January and like 18 degrees outside, and they've got a 40-minute wait. People who can't do a whole lot but can do a little bit of what they can. Mm -hmm. That's why Fort Wayne. And awesome. I think that's not just me. I think that's Sean and Melody. That's our neighbors across the street and yeah. down the down the way, that's people moving back into downtown to shape and change the culture. Not that we necessarily have to have the market for uh, a major league team. Mm -hmm. Why try to be something that Indy can't achieve mm -hmm. or Grand Rapids? Mm -hmm. Why not just shape Fort Wayne into what we've experienced elsewhere or learned from the past and kind of grow there? That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for your time, man. Oh, thank you. It's been super good. Appreciate it. So, what do you say we go get some hot dogs? Yes. I don't care if it's not true.